All the elements were in place for a long weekend. Heat, humidity, moonlight. I was good at my job. There were periods where my hands moved with a speed and skill beyond me. But in the last year, I'd started to lose that control. Hello and welcome, welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a podcast where we talk about movies, and specifically we find a movie that somebody hasn't seen before, and that's what we talk about. This is episode number 23. I am your host, Travis, uh, a.k.a. TV's Travis. And joining me this week, I have Keith. Hello. Hey. Uh, I also have the nerd with no internet at Keith's house, Charlie. Hi. Hi. This is a wonderful little closet you put me in. <laughs> and also joining us is Josh. Hey, yo. Hey. Uh, so the three of you are joining me this week to discuss uh, week three of our Nicolas Cage celebration. Uh, the movie is Bringing Out the Dead from 1999, directed by Martin Scorsese. Now, Josh, you had seen this before, and I had seen this before, but neither you or Charlie had seen it, correct, Keith? That is correct. Okay. I have also not seen it. All right. Well, um, so week three of Nicolas Cage, and this is sort of the let's let's watch a Nicolas Cage movie that's really good uh, because this is a very good film. Um, so I think first thing I want to get through is uh, casting. We usually start with that. Now, this was a Nicolas Cage that was very different from the last two movies that we've watched. Um, he, in this, I think th- this is a case where it's Nicolas Cage with a director that is uh, seasoned. He's a veteran director that knows what he's doing and can kind of kind of get what he wants out of actors more so than our last two movies. Both have been young directors, so you got at least in my mind a much more restrained Nicolas Cage without him seeming like he was bored. Uh, if that we makes just any still sense, still have a few moments where the Cage comes out, like he gets to stretch a little bit. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, you expect that in a Nicolas Cage movie, but. Yeah, I think what we got in this was those moments were much more earned in the performance over, say, the way he did them in Vampire's Kiss. The thing about this was, and I want to go into this a little bit more later, but I was, I actually had some parallels between Vampire's Kiss and uh, Bringing Out the Dead while I was watching it and then thinking about it later. But I do kind of want to go over the cast a little bit more. But first, uh, I got to ask all of you guys. What did you think of Cage in this movie? I felt that he really fit the role very well. Um, because, you know, Nick, Nick Cage does crazy a bit. And this this movie required um, a certain amount of crazy. And I think he delivered the perfect amount. Yeah, I could go with that. Uh, Charlie, what did you think of Nick Cage in this? You, weren't, you, didn't, uh, you haven't been on the podcast the last couple of weeks. So you haven't really had the comparison of the other movies. But... But what did you think of him in this? He he it, he had crazy face for the entire movie, and and I was reading on the trivia for uh, within the movie that this movie was shot over sixty three days, so he had to hold crazy face for sixty three days, and that's just impressive. That is impressive, um, you know. And it's it's interesting because he did have crazy face, but it was still it was a very restrained crazy face by comparison to some of his other work. Um, Oh yeah, he 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 wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna be like screaming at the camera like his Ghost Rider transformation crazy face. No, it was just his his eyes were sullen and sunken, and 
he had this look in them that was just, if you mess with me one more time, I'm going to snap you in half. Definitely had that look of, I have not slept in a year. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of, there was, there was makeup for a lot of that, but I mean, even scenes where he's been out for like a day and a half straight and then he wakes up, you can see there's pun intended a night and day difference, but yeah, I think a lot of makeup was used for some of the more subtler touches. Oh, definitely. And, but, you know, it, and, oh, go ahead. And being a third shift guy, yeah. I can tell you, it does feel like that sometimes. Definitely. I can, I second that because I'm also third shift for like the last 15 years. So, <laughs> right. Well, I think what it was with him in this movie was so. What I kind of wanted to touch on with comparison to Vampire's Kiss is Vampire's Kiss was basically, it was whether you want to think that it was intentionally or unintentionally a black comedy, it was about somebody kind of losing their mind. You know, the, it was a, hot, a guy in a high stress job, slowly or in that case, quickly losing his mind and just devolving, basically. And so at that stage in his career and with a young director, Nick Cage just went, he turned everything up to 11 and just played it completely crazy. The weird accent that faded in and out and that he would use to try to impress people and all that kind of stuff. This was about 10 years later, and it's Nicolas Cage with, again, a director who's very seasoned, Martin Scorsese. This is our second Martin Scorsese film in this podcast alone, um, and I really like him as a director, and so I think his influence, his ability to um, kind of get the performances that he wants uh, out of a director, it, uh, it makes a difference, and you got kind of a better... Um, a better overall performance while still getting that crazy and kind of slipping into the craziness because he could he could play it more. Uh, it had more impact when he would kind of lose it for a little bit there. Whether it was him in the back of the ambulance trying to you know with the tourniquet and trying to find some sort of a, a weird vitamin B twelve cocktail of stuff to make him feel better, or uh, you know when he would be seeing things or hearing things. Uh, I just felt like it was a overall. I mean objectively a better film than vampire's kiss but a lot of the same kind of um broad strokes kind of same kernels of an idea i think yeah i mean it, it was definitely supported more by character and story like if you watch scenes of this without any context you'd be like oh yeah that's just nicholas cage but like in this it is supported with the story the character the plot it all it builds to it like instead of existing on the edge it gets to the point of the edge and then cage does his thing, which works better in this movie. Absolutely. And it, this had it, uh, it felt natural. Yeah. It felt natural. It felt believable. You kind of believe yeah. that, you know, uh, granted the job he has in this is a much more stressful job. So the character is under more stress and it was more believable that he would be slipping and freaking out and, and having these moments and having, you know, this kind of like, it made me think, okay, how much of the movie that we saw was actually happening versus how much of it was inside of his head, you know? So that, that played into it a little bit for me too. And this movie had a much better supporting cast. I mean, you had... Oh, Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames was <laughs> glorious in this movie. Yes, he was. Uh, and that hair was glorious too. The sunglasses. <laughs> My God, I was, I was hoping he would take them off. Well, that's not well, that Ving Rhames, but yeah. But yeah. Uh, but you had Ving Rhames and Tom Sizemore and John Goodman were all like the guys that he rode with, uh, and they were all very different characters, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, 
You also had uh, Mark Anthony as uh, the guy with all the dreadlocks. Uh, Noel, I think, was the character's name. Um, mm. He, I, I really like him as an actor. And the first time I saw this movie was when I realized how much I liked him because I had seen him in stuff. He had he had a small part in Hackers before this, and I think I'd seen it. I can't remember what the other movie was that I had seen him in, but I saw this and I just I really liked him. He there was something about his performance that I enjoyed. And granted, he's getting to be you know be completely crazy. He got to be the the one just going ape the whole time. But uh, I really liked him, you know, even small parts like the um ambulance captain who is an actor that I've seen in other bit parts, uh but I he was fun in this just playing that character. The I'll fire you tomorrow guy. Yeah, I'll fi- <laughs> I'll fire you tomorrow. I love that. Uh did you I recognize the voices on uh the radio? The I knew who it was. the dispatcher's I voices. I recognized two of them. I think there was. Oh only, yeah, I know two of them. Yes. Was there more than two dispatch voices? I think there was only two. There were three. There was a dispatch voice the first night. Uh, the dispatch voice the second night was uh, Queen Latifah. Yeah, that's love. And then, the, and then the third night was uh, the director. It was Martin Scorsese. Well, he was the first night too. I think yeah. Yeah, it was the same voice the first and third night, and that was that was Martin Scorsese. Yep. Uh, but I, I had forgotten that Queen Latifah did the voice of the female dispatcher, and I, one of my notes was just Queen Latifah and exclamation points after it, because <laughs> that was just a fun thing to, to see. Um, I did mention this is Scorsese's, the second Scorsese film that we did, the other one being Shutter Island, and uh, this, unfortunately, was a box office bomb. Um, it... it reviewed great it's got over 70 percent on rotten tomatoes with like 105 aggregate reviews uh the reviews when it came out uh were great i remember reading i think it was roger ebert roger ebert's review when this came out he gave it like a four stars out of four and really liked it uh production budget of like 32 to 35 million i think an overall budget of around 55 million it made 16 million at the box office so it did not financially do very well unfortunately um, Ouch! It's, yeah. it's a weird. It, so there was some trivia with some of this. Uh, it's weird because like I I remember really enjoying this when I first saw it back in like probably 2000 I think when it came out on DVD because it came out in 99. It's supposed to take place in the early 90s in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw the vi- the DVD of it, I thought, wow, that's a really good movie. It was it's a film, you know, it's not just like a movie. But um, haven't really thought about it much until recently. And it's like, it doesn't stick with me. And I was wondering what, what I realized is looking at some of the uh, trivia and stuff, I guess Scorsese was obligated to make this picture because it was part of a deal with other movies he was making and he didn't enjoy working on it. It it was like you said, with 60 plus days and it was mostly night shoots. Uh, There was, I think it's a credit to the people who made the movie that they actually saw it through. Cause my understanding is not too many of them, maintained interest in it that long but they still stuck to it and like made it happen and it works but it doesn't really have like an arc it doesn't have like a typical structure there's a lot of great stuff in there but yeah it's I, it, it doesn't get there completely i don't think yeah it's far more a series of vignettes and it's more akin to uh something like um fear and loathing in las vegas that we previously reviewed than it is uh you know a, a structured three-act film um yeah. it kind of so reminds me a little bit of like train spotting yeah, like the first forty minutes of this was solid. Like that's up until like he's in the ambulance with Ving Rhames. Like I stopped and I was like, 
is this the first like 20 minutes? Like, no, we're like almost halfway through the movie. But then the last hour and like 10 minutes is all the Tom Sizemore stuff and like the ghosts and the other things. And I don't know, that first 40 minutes flew by and then the rest of it kind of felt like a normal pace. And I think train spotting for me is like that. Like I can watch the first 40 minutes of that movie. No problem. The pace is great. The music, every the jokes fire, everything's good. And then the rest of it just kind of sinks down. Like you're coming down off a high. Yeah, that's a good way I to put it. I felt that the movie was pretty well paced. I mean, it, it kept my attention for the whole thing, and I didn't feel it waning at any point. No, I, I just meant that first 40 minutes kind of, like, stood above and beyond that. Like, I wasn't okay. even thinking of looking at the time, but the rest of the movie, I was just like, oh, like, 10 minutes of the second half of the movie felt like 30 minutes of the first half of the movie. <laughs> I actually can see what you're saying there, because I did find myself in the second half of the movie, checking the running time a couple of times, like, wow, we still have half an hour left. Or, you know, it felt like I should be closer to the end of it than I was. Having said that, I still really enjoy this movie, and I do think it was really well made. It's interesting to me that Scorsese didn't enjoy making it, and I kind of get that. You shoot 60, you know, 60-day shoot schedule, it's all at night. Apparently it was shot in December in New York, so, you know, it's cold and and all of that. But uh, it is a credit to them, because they made a really good film. Um, and it is, it is something that it didn't stick with me like some other movies have, but I do remember seeing it. I, I always remembered enjoying it, um, when I did see it, I did not see it in the theater. So I'm part of the reason that it only made $16 million, but, um, well, I didn't even know about it until it was on DVD. So, <laughs> well, there you go. Um, this was also written by Paul Schrader. Um, he he and Scorsese had worked together uh, a few times before. He was the screenwriter for Taxi Driver and um, okay. Last Temptation of Christ, and what was there was one other Scorsese film. Um, I can't remember which one it was now, but uh, they had worked together a couple times before. So you know, the they, Irishman. Oh wait, no, sorry, I'm looking at something else. Oh, uh, Raging Bull. Raging Bull. That was it. Yes. So, you know, they'd work together. They obviously knew each other well enough that uh, I'm sure that helped even when, you know, you don't want to be making a movie. If you can be making it with people that you've worked with before. And some of these actors had worked together before. You know, Nicolas Cage and John Goodman worked together in Raising Arizona. Um, this came out, what, 99, so three years, two two years after Con Air where mm -hmm. Nick Cage and Ving Rhames had worked together. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, go ahead. I'm looking at the trivia here, and what it, what what it's saying is that this was the first film that he did for Paramount. So it was he was obligated to do this as part of a deal for a longer running contract, which actually just ended in 2019. Um, and he selected Schrader to do the script. So I think they basically were like, "Yeah, we're hiring you as a director for our company. We're giving you this as your first project. Kind of, you have to just get through it, and then you can make your own stuff. And again, he was an established director at this point, so mm -hmm. I think they were riding on. We have this property. He's probably the best person to get it made. It may not be his ideal. It doesn't have a lot of Scorsese elements that you get in other movies. Like the comparison to Taxi Driver, I saw a few times, and I'm like, I don't really consider these similar movies at all. Like, there's aspects of it, but it's not. Yeah, no, all, I I wouldn't I don't think. lump those two together at all. Um, myself, but definitely, but. if definitely, if you want somebody to direct something that is New York, mm. who are you going to go to? Well, right. yeah, if you're if you're doing New York, Scorsese's got to be top two or three on your on your list. Like, yeah, and he tapped Schrader to do the script. And I'm wondering, I mean, I haven't read the book. It's best. It's based on a book. Um, I haven't read it, obviously, but I'm wondering. It's almost like they had John Goodman for like 
20 of those 65 days. They had Bing Rames for like 20 of those 65 days, and they had Tom Sizemore for 20 of those 65 days. Yeah, so it like, did okay, kind of feel like that, didn't teams. it? Yeah. And, you know, that was one thing I was thinking about is I, I would have liked either uh, for the movie to have taken place over a longer period of time because it, I both times they threw up the slug with Friday and then Saturday, you know, denoting it was the next day. I was like, wow, it's only been a day. Like it felt mm. like it took place over a longer period of time. So I would have liked either that or more interaction with one of the three of them. Like I could have done without Tom Sizemore's character, really, you know, other than the, the quick cameo maybe he has or, you know, they run into him again later on in another ambulance. I'd have been fine with that. Um, but I didn't need necessarily him to have, you know, spend an entire night with Tom Sizemore um, like he did with uh, Goodman and Rames because I wanted more interaction with him and John Goodman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted more Goodman, too. And Rames. Like, if they gave Tom Sizemore the ambulance accident, I would have been okay with, like, oh, the one night he's out, and then this happens, and then the rest of the movie he can be with Ving Rames, and I'll enjoy that better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that because, I mean, he doesn't go to, like, they, they show a full, full on, they go to a call with him and John Goodman, uh, a couple of them. They show a full mm. on, they go to a call with him and Ving Rames. And you, so you see the two very different styles of doing what they did. Uh, because with him and Ving Rhames, it's an OD, and they're you know they're playing it up, and he's doing his whole gospel preacher thing, and which to me was you know I enjoyed that scene. It did a little bit feel out of out of place, but at the same time, like if you're doing this job for this long, you're gonna probably develop a pretty thick skin and have some fun with these people. But um, yeah. then with Tom Sizemore, it was like they just basically drove around and then beat up Mark Anthony. Well, it's so what's interesting is I didn't. It didn't click until we started talking about it, but there is like a procession between like John Goodman and Nick Cage. Like you come into the movie and they're together. So like that sets the base and John Goodman, I think he's feeling fatigued, but he's still like doing his job, which is fine. And then Ving Rhames, it's the, like everything he wants to do is like hope and love and positive And he's trying, he's using, Oh, we're going to give the guy Narcan and it'll just take a few minutes. So he does this whole orchestrated, like the Lord will bring, I be banging back to life. And it's like, okay, the theatrical of it, you find ways to keep yourself energized in your job when you started to lose steam. And then Tom Sizemore is the guy that's just like, I'm going to clock in 20 minutes late and I'm going to do whatever I want. And, but then when you see Nicolas Cage has gotten to that point, Tom Sizemore's like, whoa, you're doing things I never would have done. So right. it's like, oh. So like, I think they all serve as like a reference and contrast to where Cage is at in the movie at that point. So it works structurally, but it is much more enjoyable watching Goodman and Rames, I think. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. And I agree with that because it was more entertaining to watch those two, but... When you put it that way, it makes sense that they, you know, they're showing the different, basically the different aspects of his character um, and what he's kind of going through mentally uh, as, you know, he's losing his, he's losing his shit. He wants to get fired. Like when his boss is like, they want me to terminate you. Okay, I'll just go get my stuff then. Like, no, 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 I can't, I can't fire you. You promised me you would fire me. Like that was (laughs) a great. The first cage moment of the movie, the slamming the desk. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. didn't jump on the desk. No. But, you know. <laughs> and that did have probably the most non sequitur moment in the entire movie, which is saying something for the movie, which was the the uh, ambulance captain barking. Because that like it threw me off at first. Um when yeah, he just, it kinda got me. 
barks and then he's like, you know, I can bark too. Like, I didn't say you couldn't. <laughs> what? What? Like, I, I kind of want some background onto that. You know what I mean? Um, but I did capture that audio because it just sounded hilarious and it, it sounds like this. <laughs> and it's it that like la- the tiniest, bravest dog ever. Yes. And then that little <laughs> laugh afterwards was just killed me. But uh, I think there was a wasn't there a, a lady in the room when that scene happened and like she didn't respond to it. like he barked and she just kind of kept doing her job like this happens every day. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> apparently completely normal for these these guys to do that. But uh, it just threw me for a loop. Um, I did. Oh, I, I think that really contributed to the whole New York feel like nobody is phased like that. That was the whole thing about New York at that point in time was, yeah, you can't phase a New Yorker. That's a pretty good point. It's also interesting. So I'm going kind of building off what I mentioned a minute ago. Like the other two like main talents in this actually probably they probably have more screen time than Goodman, Rames, or Sizemore, uh, Patricia Arquette, and Mark Anthony. It's interesting because like she seems very strong and stable from the beginning, and then through the course of the movie, you find out that she has given into uh, her desperation, turned to drugs a little bit, and then. I think when Nicolas Cage sees that, he kind of realizes like, oh, I'm about to open this door. This isn't a door I actually want to go in. And then the instinct to take care of her kicks back in. Mm -hmm. And then Mark Anthony, the instinct to take care of him is constant, but it's like the way he's asking for help is not how he needs to be helped. And so it's, it's interesting that you've got her character and his character throughout the movie. It's almost like this is, this is less, it's not a journey movie, obviously, because it's not starting from point A and going to point B. It's more Nicolas Cage, is just I don't want to say he's like in the same place at the end that he was at the beginning because it's 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 kind of like a um Christmas carol type thing where like oh we're going to show you other situations and then you will have growth where you physically are now without having gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so they had to contribute all these elements and including um the drug dealer guy who was very cool and calm when they meet him and then he has to save him off the balcony which it's just interesting cuz you they're all characters you wouldn't expect to see portrayed that way, I think. Yeah, no, that's pretty good assessment of that. And I can't dispute any of it, really. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> the defense rests, Your Honor. Um, yeah, no, I I think cast-wise, directing-wise, this was a really, really well-done movie. And it, it does surprise me a little bit to read that Martin Scorsese didn't enjoy making this movie because he did a phenomenal job with it, in my opinion. Um but it helps when you it have a really good It is the only cast. Scorsese movie from the 90s that wasn't nominated for anything. Yes. That's a good point. That was another trivia thing. And again, I think the context of... Like, if I was going to tell somebody... If somebody was a huge Scorsese fan and for some reason hadn't seen this, I'd be like, listen, it's his movie. He was given the, the, the property. He was obligated to do it for Paramount. He hired the best... Like, he, it was kind of like, here, we're, you're competing in the boat race and we're giving you this old broken down piece of junk boat but you have to submit it tomorrow it's like okay well i know one guy who can get this seaworthy and i know somebody else who probably can hold the steering wheel so let's just make this work bad metaphor but i don't know <laughs> no no i think that actually fit pretty well you know you got you know yeah i get where you're going gonna hold the crazy steering wheel other than nick cage i mean don't let ving rams drive no don't <laughs> no no we don't let him drive I think every um, time I see that ambulance flip, I'm surprised at how high it launched. Because I'm like, there's no way that physically went that high. 
Oh, and you notice they had to do it with the uh, the different ambulance. Um, it's the only one. It's the only time they're in an ambulance like that, or the only time you see an ambulance that looks that size. And you got to think they just did that so it was going to be easier to flip it over. Oh, it's just big, but it's probably emptied out. There's nothing in yeah. it. Yeah, and they got out of it pretty quick. It is weird that that's like the end of Nick Cage uh, of uh, Ving Rhames in the movie. Like, oh, I'm never riding with you again. They crawl out through the window, and he's shouting at Nick Cage walking down the street, and they're like. And that's a wrap on Ving Rhames. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's the last we see him. Yeah, there was definitely like, uh, you know, we've talked about, and I've mentioned before, the the chick in the bucket where, you know, it's something where you have a character or whatever that just it disappears and there's no explanation given. That was half the characters in this movie. Because, mm. like, they made a big deal out of the wife of the guy that he brings in at the beginning of the movie. And once he takes her home, that's it. You never see her again. They mention her, I think, once. As like, oh, she's home now and asleep. And she John, comes back a couple of times, yeah. John Goodman like drops him off, and then you never see John Goodman again. Ving Rames flips the the ambulance and he gets out and he's just like, I quit and walks away, and you never see him again. They never even mention him again. Um Tom Sizemore, I think his last moment in the movie, isn't it? Uh when Nicolas Cage walks by and he's just bashing the hell out of the front of the ambulance for no reason. Oh yeah. There yep. were a <clears throat> Yeah, and that was the last time you, that I saw him. But uh, there, there were a couple cuts too. And referring back to the, you know, size of the ambulances, where you'd go from like the box truck size down to the van size, you know, in like there was one where, like the camera's coming up and the ambulance drives under the camera as the camera follows it, and that was one of the box truck styles. But then they pull up in a van size one immediately after that and that was something that i'd noticed well i'm, I'm curious because this is something i didn't realize having seen this movie twice now and i physically went back to that point in the movie and rewatched it because i did not pick up on it um when they do the flashback to rose on the sidewalk when john goodman and nick cage get out to help her all of that stuff was performed in reverse and you don't notice it until you realize the snow is going up oh wow i didn't pick up on that at all i went i went i mean i noticed when rose when they're driving and rose is walking i'm like she's kind of walking a little funny but i'm like she's obviously in pain probably and but then they get out and they run up to her and they even their dialogue and everything john goodman saying no you're in the lung you're in the stomach again all of it kind of like twin peaks They, they must have recorded it uh recorded the audio forward and then played it in reverse so it would look as if they were saying it forward but it, it, it matches really well, but again, the snow is going up the entire time. It's not an effect. They just filmed it in reverse, huh? which is really I, cool to just go watch that scene again and just be like, wow. So I'm, there's a lot of weird talent and creativity in this movie, but the ultimate end of it was just okay, I think. <laughs> now I need to watch that scene again just to see, just to really... Yeah, yeah I'm going to be watching that again for sure. Well, you know, and, and I noticed some of the talent too with like... Some of the uh, the intercuts between scenes, you'd have a scene and then it would be intercut with like them in the ambulance or something, right? And I just loved the visual style of all that stuff and some of the visuals of it. Like the movie starts off where all the whites are blown out and you get this kind of halo effect around all the white on the screen because the, the lighting is so bright and it ended the same way. Like the last couple of scenes mm. are shot with that same just sort of halo around him and around anything that's kind of white is really shining. And uh, you'd get some interesting camera angles or the way that they would use shots. You know, they used a tilt shot as a pan. 
So they shot vertically, tilting the camera, and then played it back at 90 degrees. So it uh, was a vertical shot, but looks horizontal. You know, that kind of stuff to, to really kind of play with your head. The way that they would, uh, I can't remember, I think it's called a dioptic filter, where you can you can have something in the foreground and the background in focus at the same time. Yeah. And they would use that. And you can always tell when that's being used because you'll see, like, there's a shot of Nick Cage and Tom Sizemore, and they're both of their faces are clear, but then you see the like the the patch on one of their shirts is very uh, fuzzy and out of focus. And using stuff like that, and like cutting back and forth in a in a two shot, where one shot is you see um, you see Tom Sizemore, and then when it cuts and does the coverage of Nicolas Cage, it's at a Dutch angle, and it keeps cutting mm. back and forth. And like it, it was a lot of neat little tricks like that to kind of make you feel discordant and out of place um the way that they would have an odd edge and a little bit crazy yeah yeah they would have like fish-eyed stuff or they'd have like interesting just small little kind of camera trick visual effects of you know the way the light would bounce off of the um the windows and things as they'd be driving down the street because a lot of this movie takes place inside the ambulance so i i was a fan of a lot of that 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 to me was very visually interesting uh and kind of helped move along that second half where you were saying we were talking about earlier about how it kind of felt like it dragged a little bit uh in comparison to the first half i think stuff like that helped it where you know even simple things like the way that they would show all these sped up shots as nick cage is driving the the ambulance and like keeps shifting apparently from drive to neutral to drive i guess i don't know how many Um, gears did he go through there (laughs) like seven (laughs) i know well it seemed to me like it was a uh, a column shift manual that they were trying to do, but that's the only time they yeah. did that in the entire movie. So well, he also like it was shifted. Also the like... only time he was in that ambulance. Yeah, right. But it was just he. He must have gone back, like you said. He must have gone into neutral and out of neutral because it was like six or seven shifts that he made. It was like there can't be that many gears in this. <laughs> well, you're no. also city driving too, so there's going to be downshifting involved as well. True. I did notice there was another. This wasn't like the snow going up. This was just, I think all of the camera stuff, the the camera work in this movie is just as important as the dialogue and the physicality of the characters. Mm -hmm. Because if you watch this without sound, I think you would still get a lot of it. Um, But there was a few scenes, I think it's, I don't remember if it was Ving Rhames or if it was Sizemore that he's driving around with. But like, obviously, Nick Cage is in the passenger seat looking out the window. But as he's, when 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 they show what he's looking at, it was like it was recorded going the opposite direction. Yeah. So like it was panning left to right, whereas it should have been panning right to left if he's looking out the window and it would cut back to him and it would be fine. But then we go back to the street and it's like left to right again. It was like, and I think it's just that surreal. You're seeing it, but you're not seeing it as you should. And that's just how it's wearing on him through the movie. Yeah. And, you know, director of photography talking about the lighting in this uh, has actually done a lot of stuff. Um, as a cinematographer. So here's just a quick, quick synopsis of some of the movies he's done that we've probably heard of. Uh, JFK and the doors, uh, a few good men, casino, Nixon, um, kill bill volume one and two, uh, the aviator. So he's worked with Scorsese, uh, more than once. Um, Oh, he did shutter Island. Okay. I, I think that's why the name so- sounded familiar to me when I was reading it. It's, um, Robert Richardson. And I liked his work on Shutter Island, so it makes sense that I would like this. Inglorious Bastards, he did. Mm, okay. Um, Django. So 
Hugo. So he's done he's done quite a bit of uh, really good cinematography, and I liked that coupled with some of the stuff like you're talking about, where they would make some kind of weird surreal. So there was a lot of talent in, on display in this movie. You know, it was surprising watching the movie um, and seeing how many people I actually recognized. Like, there's at least three or four people from uh, The Wire. There's a couple of people from Dexter. There's a few people from The Sopranos that all they were in this movie before any of that stuff ever came out. Mm-hmm. So th- it must just be a very New York film because a lot. I think a lot of people were just pulled from that. Yeah, very well could be. Uh, this also had one of my favorite uh, character actors that doesn't get enough credit, and that's Cliff Curtis. He's the, um, the mm. drug dealer. I love C- Cliff Curtis. I mean, he. I remember seeing him in. Um, Oh, what was it? Uh, uh, Sunshine? Well, oh, Sunshine he was great in, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Training Day. Training Day as Smiley. I liked him a lot in that. Sunshine he was phenomenal in. Um, Yeah, that's just a great movie anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Uh, Three Kings. I really liked him in Three Kings. You know, he's one of those guys that you don't think about as like, oh, I really like that actor until you see him in something. And then you're reminded like Cliff Curtis isn't a name that rolls off of most people, um, most people's tongues when they talk about some of their favorite actors, myself included, unfortunately. But he definitely is uh, a guy that I appreciate every time I see him in something. Yeah, he was just in the Meg, apparently. Well, one of the trivia things mentioned that he was in a um, TV show. I'm looking for it here, but basically, he plays like an EMT in a TV show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He played it in uh, tra- Was it Trauma? Yeah, Trauma. Yeah. TV series. Um, and he had some of the best lines in this movie, too. Uh, that whole scene where he's hanging off the balcony with the, the thing through his side. Uh, there was some, like, legitimately funny lines in that moment. Um, as well, and even when... Lord, that is hot. <laughs> yeah. Mid, mid-sentence, just... Yeah. yeah. But also... He when... was... Uh, he was... Uh, like, he did good. That whole scene was great. But he just seemed a little bit too calm for somebody that was impaled roughly well impaled on a metal girder rail he's probably in shock a bit too. yeah that's the thing and your body goes into shock like that and he probably was also high mm. um so that and oh that's probably that, you could tell that he'd been sitting there for a minute too because he had time to think out think out why he landed there and the big guy didn't Oh, and yeah. I, I definitely captured audio for that. That had two of my favorite uh, one-liners in this, was this one. What you do, huh? Stop the Chinese on the way over here? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it's, uh, what is it? This, this one here. I'm trying to watch my weight, and look what happens! <laughs> I don't think that scene, that scene obviously wouldn't have worked had they not had the extent of the scene that he had earlier with Nick Cage. Right, like, exactly. That, he was super engaging in that. He drove that scene. Nick Cage was just a passenger. Yes, Nick Cage oh, was yeah. a passenger right up until the part where he started screaming. Um, but you're right; it was the Cliff Curtis drove that entire scene earlier in the movie, and that gives you then the the you build the equity in that scene, and now you cash it in later on by having him be what would basically be way too cool for the situation he was in. Like he was way too level headed and way too cool. You're right, Charlie. Um, but they built that character up earlier in the movie so they could get away with it here. Yeah, like. Even when it looks like things are going to hell, he was still calm. He's like, nah, let him go. He's good. Uh, his, his, like, oh, go ahead. The meanest he was was when he was like, you owe me $10. Right. And that... <laughs> right. And then later on, he just says, that $10 you owe me, yeah. Yeah, keep it. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. Yeah. Those are, I mean, you can tell that those are two guys. There was elements of that, like in The Wire. You're like, you know, you've got your job, you got your game, I got my job, I got my game. There's respect. We're going to cross paths on this stuff a little bit, but you do you, I'll do me, and we'll just kind of move on. He wasn't there to bust anybody, obviously. He's not a cop, he's an ambulance driver. You know? Right. But um, it's in- it also, it was interesting. His, uh, the, the girl in that scene with him um, is Sonia Son who was i know her most as being in the wire um but again it's weird seeing her in this as like a drug dealer's girlfriend's i don't know and then obviously the guy that played omar in the wire was one of the guys that they brought down in a stretcher oh uh, right yeah have not seen the wire well maybe you should fix that i i probably should watch all of the wire i have not seen all of it but it was a that might be easier for charlie if he had internet it's true it's on DVD. Hey, hey, <laughs> shut up. But uh, no, I mean that that end scene, and it, it's weird because in a in a lesser film that would have felt really out of place, but for some reason it worked in this. And it, it, part of it is because obviously he, you know, the whole movie is Nick Cage kind of slipping and losing his mind. So I get that. But um, but I think that you know, in in a less experienced or talented director's hands uh, and with poor with poor writing that scene itself could have really felt out of place, but mm. it didn't. Uh, it worked for me. Um, I think overall the movie worked for me. I, I, I got to be honest, I was not a fan. I, I didn't like the movie. I, I thought it was too slow. But, but I mean, like you, I, I kept checking the running time. Like, how much time is left in this movie? There's another 40 minutes in this movie? Are you kidding? No, I can I can see that. I mean, obviously not every movie is going to be for everybody. Um, I personally like how it's a little bit slower but i think that i'm helped by the fact that especially this viewing i knew that going into it because i had seen it before um so if you're coming into this blind and you're not you're not prepared for it i can definitely see you know it not uh it not landing on the other end of that i did really enjoy this movie i felt that it was i felt that it was a reasonable pace throughout the entire movie you know i i didn't catch myself wondering well how much time do i got left and you know you know how my attention span goes what attention span huh Mm -hmm, exactly uh well no that's good to hear i mean and josh you said you liked this movie so that was one of the reasons why we put it on the list yeah well when we were trying to come up with Nicolas cage movies there's like the obvious ones that stand out so i was this one was the one i'm like i remember him in that i haven't seen it in ages and like i mentioned earlier like i i really liked it when i saw it and i hadn't thought about it probably in the last 20 years since it came out. So I was like, yeah, I should watch this again. And watching it, I watched it while I was at work last night, actually, in the middle of the night. So maybe that was why it felt slow and tired to me. But um, even watching it, I'm like, what was there in this movie that I so strongly remembered? And again, I think it's just like him and Ving Rhames interaction. The rest of the stuff kind of just faded over time. But it's still, I think it was still an okay movie. It does kind of... Like I said, it's not an A to B journey type movie, so it doesn't like reach a point where everything has changed for the character. It, yeah, you kind of get the you kind of get the gist that like we're just looking at one weekend this guy's having, and next weekend he's probably going to go through the same stuff. And yeah, it's that's just that's his that's his job. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's no real resolution. There's no change at the end of it. He just sort of goes on about his life and. It does make me want to seek out the book just to read it, just to, to kind of get the idea, because apparently it's at least semi-autobiographical because the writer 
of the novel was a New York City paramedic uh, for mm. like nine years or something. Uh, and then he went on to write this book. So, uh, And he I, was, I think he was on set as a like consultant as well. Hmm, that could be. So I like the medical aspects of it. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that. It, but you're right. It is. It, it's about the interactions with him and the other characters. And I think the strongest interactions were him and John Goodman and him and Ving Rhames. Uh, I didn't really get a whole lot. I like Patricia Arquette, but I didn't get a whole lot of her interactions with Nick Cage as being a whole lot. Um, there wasn't a lot of a, I don't know if they were trying to set up some kind of a spark or not, but I just didn't feel that. And I didn't know if that's what I didn't, couldn't tell if that's what they were going for or not. Um, I didn't, it didn't click for me until you had mentioned the lighting so much. Cause I mean, obviously the last shot where it's almost like daylight's coming in, but it's just, they're just beaming light right off Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's we've all had that like oh if i can just get through the next couple of days then i got a day off okay and i think it starts with him going into work and like all right here we go i got my energy let's do this and then so much happens that wears on him and i think patricia arquette's character as much as he's in a position to care for her and help her i think her, what i got from the end of it was more that this is the first person in the movie that actually has stopped to care about him a little bit and not just like, hey, man, you got to do this or, hey, man, you should probably do that. Like actually like be there present with him and care about him. And I don't think it's a romantic thing. I think it's just like I finally found rest and now I can recharge. That's a good way to put it. That isn't something that I thought about, but that makes a lot more sense now. So I like that. Um, yeah, because really, I mean, his other interactions with people are, you know, coworkers or just people that he sees at the hospital, whether it's Gris or the nurses or the doctors and. You know, they're, of course, all very callous. And this woman is somebody who has gone through a lot because her, I mean, they keep kind of referencing stuff in her backstory that she's been through a lot. And she's now taking the time to, you know, look at him in a way um, and offer him that help. You know, even something as simple as like putting the blanket on him when he falls asleep in her apartment. Yeah. And I think, I mean, and again, without her, Noel's character wouldn't have as much depth to it because she, she's pretty much just there for exposition to an yeah. extent she gives a lot of backstory to the neighborhood it did it threw me off when it's like oh he's noel i he grew up on our street cut to he lived with us for almost a year and a half cut to he was my brother's best friend i'm like wait why didn't you just tell us at the beginning yeah he was really good friends with my brother and then all of the rest of that would have kind of been supported later but her it was just like every time he came up it was oh yeah he actually married my second cousin and i was at his <laughs> wedding it was like wait no <laughs> like yeah that's that's actually a pretty good uh, observation there as well. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. Um, no, I think overall, I like this movie. Um, I don't know. Like you said earlier, though, it, it's hard to recommend this as like a... Unless you're a Scorsese completionist, you don't have to see this just because it's a Martin Scorsese film. Um, I do think it's worth a watch if, if you either know going into it kind of what you're getting yourself into, which is not an, uh, a movie that's going to have kind of that three-act structure or that journey, um, but it's more of just kind of a slice of, you know, here's a weekend in this guy's life, and he's slowly losing and unraveling. Um, but uh, I think it's worth a watch if you can um, be prepared for what it is. But that's that's my opinion. Um, you yeah, know, it's, it's, not, not, it's not your net. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead and finish what you're saying. Well, I was just going to say, it's not like your other Nicolas Cage movies where you get that kind of 
there isn't a lot of that Nicolas Cage freak out in it. There's a couple of moments where you get that that kind of prototypical Nick Cage uh, performance, but on the most part, it's very restrained. It's very subdued, which it really shows how what kind of an actor he can be in the right hands because he's doing a lot of acting without having to speak and without having to overdo it and get cartoonish. You know, he's doing a lot of acting with his eyes and with just his facial expressions. Um, and yeah. I appreciate that. And his shoulders. Yes. Probably acts there's better with his shoulders than anybody. Yeah, there's a lot of physicality in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, it's, I would say if, it, if you're... Uh, the, the things that are done in this movie have been done more effectively elsewhere, but this is an interesting, like, mixture of them. Like, this isn't Scorsese's best movie. This isn't Cage's best movie. This, this isn't the best ambulance driver movie or media, but... I think if you have enough interest in those three things, then, and honestly, just for the ensemble of everybody else in the movie, there's a lot of people in it. So I think it's just worth seeing like all these people pop in, especially now that you recognize some of them 20 years later. Right. You know, and we didn't even talk about Gris, who probably was for, for me, my favorite character in the whole thing. Cause he's just this caricature of like the, you know, the security guy at the hospital, the cop at the hospital. Um, but he cracked me up every time. I mean, he's only in a couple of shots, but he was funny every single time. Cause he'd all... I, I, I was constantly hoping that somebody would make Gris take his glasses off. <laughs> well, what's funny is right after he said that in the movie, you catch him in the background of a shot, and he doesn't have his sunglasses on. So I didn't see that part. Yeah, I happened I to notice that. that but and, and to me, it's always funny when you get a character that's that out of place. Like he's referring to himself in the third person, just yelling at all these people. You know... His night is like every night for him is just hell. Um, well, he's probably there's probably he's he's maintained enough separation between like I think that's part of the sunglasses thing. It's like when I'm at work, I'm Gris. Like I have this I have this outfit, I have these sunglasses, I have this firm stance on who can and cannot go in. And like I think when he's on the clock, he's sticking to that. And then as soon as he clocks out, the sunglasses come off and he becomes himself again. And he. Maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but he was very much fully invested in his job at that time. Yeah. yeah. So you're, what you're saying is you don't think he goes around on his off time talking like this? Gris cannot abide the funk tonight. <laughs> Possibly, but it also could just be the, the movies from Nick Cage's perspective. So if you were going to think back like, oh, let me write a story about people I work with. You don't know their personal lives. So you're just going to, oh yeah, I think he's Gris. So it's almost like he's the one character that Nick Cage is like reporting to us as, yeah, this is all I know him as is Gris. I don't know anything beyond that. Yeah, that and I don't be. know what his eyes look like. So, <laughs> <laughs> for all I know, he's got bright yellow eyes. Who knows? Um, yeah, I and I did capture a little bit more audio that I do want to play just because I thought some of these were really funny. This was actually a pretty good exchange. Um, and were I still smoking, I probably would use this um, just because I thought this was funny. You shouldn't smoke. It's okay. They're prescription. Yeah, I, I've I, decided that I am going to be using that one. I, I'd never heard that before. Um, I didn't well, remember that's following, that. But... That's following a scene where he comes out and she's smoking. Yeah. So it's just, it's again, it's like banter back and forth. Yeah. But I just, I thought that was a pretty good one. Uh, I played a couple of them earlier, the barking and all that. This was a very Nick Cage kind of freak out moment. And hopefully you'll be able to hear this very well because the, the end of the line is a little tough, but... Our mission to save lives. Our mission is coffee. Our mission is coffee. 
Mm. That was a very Nick Cage moment when he's got the IV bag and he's wearing the respirator mask and and, and all that. They do do that when they've had rough nights or they come in hungover. Mm-hmm. I, I dated somebody who was a paramedic, and I got plenty of stories about how you know they would come in hungover and okay, you know, get the IV bag, get the electrolytes in there, and get the B12. You know, I don't know about the adrenaline part, but you know, it's they they would definitely hook themselves up to uh to get themselves back in shape oh yeah i'm sure and they they i mean it probably is a, i don't know if all paramedics but I, it's probably an aspect of just working third shift like sometimes you had a really long night and you get home and you're exhausted but you can't sleep so maybe having a few drinks helps you get through the day sleeping and you wake up and you're like oh i had to do what i had to do to sleep and now i have to do what i have to do to stay awake yeah. <laughs> so you kind of just you're constantly pushing yourself through that's very true. Uh, there was also this little gem that uh, cracked me up. I got a fence up my ass, all right? I need something for the pain. He's just so calm about everything. And then and then he's all, wait, hopefully? Yeah. Um, and then Ving Rhames, I only got one bit of audio from him, but it is probably the line in the movie that will stick with me the most, um, and it's just the way he delivers it. You ever notice people who see shit are always crazy? You ever notice that? Uh oh. People who see shit are always crazy. Yeah. Only Ving Rames can deliver that line that way, though. I'm convinced of that. Um, yeah, so that is Bringing Out the Dead, uh, week three of Nicolas Cage month. Um, it's probably, of the three movies we have watched so far, the best, uh, the most well made film. Um, certainly the best director that, we, that we've dealt with. It's. I put this in one of the better Nick Cage performances that I have seen in a film overall. Not necessarily my favorite, not the most fun. Um, the the strong front runner for that right now is is uh, Vampire's Kiss. That was just something else. But this is a very good performance by him, and it shows what he's capable of being. And so you know when people talk about like I've heard people rip on how how in the hell did he win a you know an Academy Award? Well. First of all, watch the movie that he did it in because it was good. But this is what shows that he can be a good, uh, a, give you a good performance when a director can direct him. And I think that helps a lot because um, if you look at some of his, uh, the movies, and I'd have to go through and, and do more research on it, but it, I feel like the movies where he's given a really good performance have been from directors that can kind of rein him in. And, um, you know, Scorsese can do that. Yeah, well, like we it's haven't. Almost, it's almost like a rally car driver, you know. It's like you can have a driver who's a great driver, but he's going to he's going to be all over the place if he doesn't have a good navigator. Yeah, yeah. It's also it, it's weird because we're we're not doing raising Arizona this month, but it's thinking of Nicolas Cage in that he's so soft spoken and subtle, and it's like probably it's almost like the least Cage movie because it's so minimal his approach, but like. There's elements of that in this where you realize that he, he's not there for himself. He's not speaking up because of the things that are bothering him, with, except with other drivers. But, mm-hmm. like, you never see him carrying his baggage around other people, I guess. Uh, and in this, it's like he's very quiet and reserved. And I think part of that's just he doesn't want to let on that things are affecting him as much as they are. Yeah, so that's just could do be. the job. And, yeah. 
All right. Well, I, I want to thank you guys for joining me this week. This was a, another fun one. Probably, you know, not as fun of a movie as the last couple that we've done, um, but it's good to mix in something that isn't, uh, you know, Doom or isn't Con Air and kind of give yourself a little something different. And we needed a, we needed a palate cleanser of Nick Cage because next week um, oh we're continuing Nicolas Cage month with The Wicker Man. And uh, I have not seen that movie before. Um, so I have seen a lot of memes. I have seen a lot of material about it. I've never seen the movie, so this should be interesting. Have you seen the original Wicker Man? I think I did when I was younger, um, but I honestly don't remember much about the original one uh, other than Christopher Lee being in it. So this should be an interesting one um, to do, and uh, it's definitely we're going back into the crazy cage. So uh, that'll be the a lot crazy of fun. cage. <laughs> Replete with bees. There'll be lots of bees, apparently. Although, from what I hear, that wasn't in the theatrical cut, so we probably won't see that scene. Um, I will, however, more than likely play something from it. Um, I don't know. And you know, we went this entire, entire episode, and I did not make this joke once. Bring out your dead! I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't do that. But now I have. So, um, no, I I, want to thank you guys. Yep, I did. So I want to thank you guys for joining Finally, me. Finally, it wasn't me who ruined the thing. <laughs> um, you can find our show at uh, tvstravis.com. Um, you can go to f- tvstravis.com forward slash subscribe, and you'll see the buttons there to subscribe in uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, get the RSS feed and drop it into your, your podcatcher of choice. Um, if you find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us a review. Uh, that helps us to kind of bubble up to the surface and get more noticed. Um, we put out new episodes every Wednesday now. We've switched to Wednesdays from Saturdays, and uh, this will be going up on Wednesday. And uh, from here on out, that's when we're going to do it. So, um, yeah, go there, subscribe, never miss an episode, and uh, we'll keep bringing uh, more stuff. We're going to do two more Nick Cage movies, um, but we're definitely going to come back and do more more. Nicholas Cage movies in the future because there's a lot of them and uh, it's worth doing. They're worth discussing uh, most of the time. Uh, so I want to thank all three of you for joining me. So thank you, Josh. Welcome. Happy to be here. And uh, Charlie, thanks for joining us. Uh, even though you don't have any internet, um, you managed to find a little bit and uh, join us. The, I, I'm always grateful for the opportunity whenever I can find the internet. Yes. Yes, we'll have to get you some more internet for next time so that you can uh, have a little bit more to say. Um, but that's all right. We're, we're... Are you glad you didn't purchase the movie, Charlie? <laughs> I, I am glad that I did not buy the movie to watch it. Yet. Okay, that's good. That's good. And next time we'll get you on, uh, we'll get a movie that you're going to enjoy. How's that sound? It's all good. It, 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 the bits were funny just as a movie. It just didn't work for me. Yeah, I get that. And also, I want to thank you, Keith, for, for coming on. Hey, not a problem. I had to loan somebody a cup of internet anyway. True, true. Um, All right. Well, again, thank you guys. Uh, We are going to be back uh, next week with um, Wicker Man. And uh, until then, um, it's Nick Cage month. Get out, watch a Nick Cage movie, and enjoy it.
jerking my pole.